ever wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships? Join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. How do you feel when you think of birth and also sex? Do you wonder what they have in common? Do you think about the similarity? Do you consider birth on the continuum of your sexuality? Both birth and sex are two taboo topics and they each can bring shame and silence. Also, both seem to not always have the education that really gives people the fullest experience and possibilities of childbirth and great sex. Are you shaking your head right now in disbelief that I can actually say birth and sex in the same sentence? You're here listening, so I have to believe you're curious or you're at least exploring that connection. I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, Director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. And today, I really want to talk and dive deeper a little bit into birth and sex and give you some tips about why I think they've been separated. And I believe that it actually causes harm when we do separate them. I think for women and all birthing people, the sterilization of birth from being part of the continuum of our life and who we are as physical, emotional, spiritual, and sexual beings actually makes birth harder and in many cases more painful. Where did all this come from? I have to credit some of my mentors. I went to a typical childbirth class when I was expecting my first child and got the basic information that focused on the anatomy and physiology of birth. And I thought I was getting really well prepared. But looking back now, never once did anybody talk that this anatomy and physiology of birth is the same anatomy and very similar physiology to sex and intimacy and orgasm. And so years later, when I was really starting to get mentors and read more about birth, I was pretty shocked when I started hearing people say birth is a continuum of a woman's sexual life. And I remember light bulbs went off and I was like, yes, why hadn't I even thought about it? How had the taboos and the shame about that actually allowed me not even to make the connection when I knew that the baby was going to come through the cervix into the vagina basically stretching open the labia and into the clitoral complex. But somehow we are so engrossed in often fear of birth that we don't think fully about the possibilities. So one of my mentors I have to share, Sheila Kitzinger, she has passed on, but what a great educator, activist, anthropologist, prolific writer, and such a character. And in her day, she was bold to talk about things that no one else talked about. 
And I remember even when I was getting ready to make the documentary, Orgasmic Birth, calling Sheila and having this great talk and wondering how she would feel about it. Because when I first contacted people and said, you be a part of her, what do you think of orgasmic birth? There were all kinds of reactions, but Sheila was, yes, it's time to talk about this. We must bring together birth and sex. And actually one of her later books she wrote after orgasmic birth was out in the world, but she also put out the book, Birth and Sex and really looked at helping women to get in touch with their anatomy to make sure that you've taken a mirror. We just did this in our orgasmic birth practitioner class. We were really talking about how many women don't really see their own anatomy, don't explore it, don't celebrate it, and instead can hold a lot of shame there. And so when you're thinking about giving birth, especially if you're giving birth in a medicalized model, where often women are put down, their legs are put in the air, we may have gotten away from the stirrups, but often now we ask other people to hold their feet in the air. And that's a whole nother episode because we know we should stand and deliver. Don't take it lying down unless laying down is your preferred position. Most people feel more comfortable leaning forward. And so Sheila talked about, and I've really seen this, is that when people have to spread their legs open wide for strangers in a very vulnerable position laying back, again, how much does that trigger shame for people that haven't been comfortable with their own, we often call it a yoni or a pussy. And I encourage you, what is your language for female anatomy? And it's really important to look at what are the words that you were told growing up? What do they mean? We have a lot of podcasts, right? Rachel Gross, one of our early podcasts, talks about how so much of the language of female reproductive anatomy has a root in the word shame like the language, the words used actually mean shame. And then when we think about how that's gone on to be shameful. So Sheila really helped people to say, you should look at your anatomy. You should touch it, explore inside, feel that spongy tissue inside the front of the vagina that we often call the G spot, feel that pelvic floor. And we know that the better exercise the pelvic floor is, not only the better people can enjoy sexuality, but also it can be something that can help you in childbirth. So not only getting comfortable with your anatomy, looking at it, celebrating it, but really knowing how it works and exercising it. So much to learn about birth, right? That we stripped and sterilized away. So when we think about why did that kind of divide happen between women really celebrating celebrating their bodies, seeing their bodies, honoring their bodies, and then bringing that into birth, that it is not separating like the vagina one day. Yes, it is in a different way for birth, but it's still a place that can either hold pain. And for those of you that are survivors of sexual abuse, this episode may be a little bit hard and triggering. So just know, please take a breath proceed at 
your own pace. And I would encourage you to listen to our episodes that do talk about healing both sexual trauma and past trauma, because preparing for an orgasmic and a pleasurable birth is so much first about connecting to what we're bringing in from intergenerational trauma to trauma in our own bodies and to bring that healing. Birth is such an opportunity in pregnancy to go deeper into healing, to exploring, to learning and celebrating your body and birth can be an incredible healing gateway for those that are prepared for that. So please know, I know that many of us have had sexual experiences that have been traumatic or not been whole and healthy and pleasurable or consensual. So really take time for that. Listen to our other episodes and the resources we provide so that you can go deeper into this topic. So let's go back to why did we sterilize birth away? Why was the sex taken out of birth? And we don't have a definitive answer, but I'm going to give you some of the theories that I have. Another dear friend of mine is Robbie Davis Floyd, a wonderful medical anthropologist. And she has a book that she initially wrote for her PhD thesis, and she's updated it recently, Birth and American Rite of Passage. And it is really phenomenal because she interviewed a hundred or more women and looked at the way that birth was treated often in the hospital settings and called them kind of rituals of birth, right? Hospitals have things that they tend to do to everybody. And when birth happens at home, people are in their own space, right? They wear their own clothes. They move in the way that they want. They eat and drink in labor. They choose their own positions, but they also choose carefully the people that will be there. And if you're in your own home and someone doesn't respect you or isn't treating you well, what do you do? You often say, get out, either get out of my room and give me my space or get out, leave, right? So in a home birth setting, and when we think about a hundred years ago, all birth around the world pretty much was at home. Women and all birthing people really had the power of birth and they could connect fully to their bodies. But birth moved from home to hospital and there have been benefits, right? I talk about this in other episodes. This is not about dissing our providers. It's about saying that we have a medicalized system right now that is dysfunctional, that is broken. And we can't heal what was never whole. It was created with what we knew in the time and people thought they were doing their best. But what we know now from science and we're really learning, looking at outcomes is the over-medicalization of birth often causes more harm than good. The techniques themselves can be life-saving when applied appropriately. But when the overuse happens and healthy people are given extra technology and surgery, that's where we have more risk than benefit. So when we think of that transition from home to hospital, one of the things that happened right away is people were met at the door and literally put down. And what I mean by that is we started using wheelchairs as a way of transporting people. And I want to honor for some people, a wheelchair is an 
incredible tool. It enables people to have their power. So it's always important if the wheelchair is enabling, it's something that's going to support you. It's something that's going to really keep you in your power. Then using it is a good thing. But for some people, getting into the wheelchair can symbolically be the first thing about being put down of being more a patient than being in your own autonomy. So that's one ritual and we still carry it forward today. The other thing that started way back that we still do in many places, as soon as you get in there, you're put in a hospital gown. And when you think of other institutions that have you wear a gown, the gown is to make everyone look the same. And what happens psychologically is you've, Robbie says, it stripped your identity. You're no longer in your own autonomy. You're now one of a number of people that all look the same because they're wearing the same clothes. And I have to add, like, how many of you put that gown on and that's like your power suit on a day you want to look hot and sexy and powerful? Would that hospital gown be what you put on? And when you put it on, how does it make you feel? And when I ask that question so often, I get answers of vulnerable, right? Like a patient, like I'm sick. And think about that because what the mind thinks the body feels. And so just these early rituals of just entering a hospital can often strip away that intimate feeling. They can take away someone's power and birth is powerful. You need to hold your power, stay in your power. So know that you have a choice. I have people all the time as a doula, I put balls and belongings in the wheelchair and we use it as a great tool to push our things up. And I have mothers say, you push it. And this way you can go at your pace. When you have a sensation, you can lean over and rock. And so we turn things into power. Put on the gown if it's your power suit. Otherwise, bring your own clothes. You can wear whatever you want in childbirth. And so many people have fun deciding maybe it's something special that they wore at a special time in their life. And it happens to be stretchy and give and they feel, okay, I could wear this and just take my panties off and birth in it if it's a dress or a skirt. Other people wear something for the first stage and then feel more comfortable getting naked and just being ready to welcome their baby and put the baby skin to skin. People are choosing all kinds of things now. There are even companies, right, that are making things that look a little sexier and comfortable for birth. So wear what makes you feel sexy and powerful. And then when you get into the facility and we're Again, hopefully getting away from it for a bit, but I love Robbie's words that people are plugged into the system, meaning we started giving people IVs and instead of letting people eat and drink, right? And just think about the message that an intravenous drip gives. Do you feel strong and healthy and powerful when you have an IV in? Do you move the same way? If you were put in a hospital gown and given an IV drip and then told, go ahead and be intimate with yourself self or with a partner, would you still feel the same? Would you feel as sexy and find as much pleasure? So these are questions to ask about a lot of things. But if we look at it, the hospital gown masked the intimacy and the sexuality of birth by 
sterilizing it with even what we put on people. It masked it. And in the early days, they used curtains and drapes. They even draped in a vaginal birth years ago so that women that were birthing wouldn't see the lower half of their body. And that allowed providers to be working down there at their vagina and labia and welcoming babies and not looking at their eyes, right? We even had this disassociation to cut it off, which again is part of our history. Many people say it's part of the patriarchy. How much has religion as well played a role in separating sexuality and motherhood, right? That's something to dive deep in and to think about what have been the beliefs and the messages you have about sexuality and motherhood. So really important to look at how hospital actually procedures that we still do. And many people just think they're normal. You come to a hospital, you're pushed in up to labor and delivery, you put on a hospital gown. Sometimes you either get the IV or they put a hep lock, which is uh, like getting ready for the IV, but not putting the tubing on. And still that's giving you quite a message to have that in your hand or your arm. So all these things I think have added to the fear of childbirth. We have generational fear and rightfully because for many years, people not only had these things done to them, but in the early part of time from the 1920s, almost to the seventies, most people giving birth were alone. We didn't even allow their comfort and support system to come in. Fathers were sent out and told, to just wait for the phone call and without cell phones. I know many people said that felt like days. Every hour was painful to not know what was happening and how they were doing. So when we look to at the American system and wherever you are in the world, I encourage you to look at, we also have to honor that racism disproportionately impacts Black, Brown, and Indigenous birthing people. And so even today, we have incredible inequities in outcomes in maternal and infant deaths. And we've talked about that and mentioned it in many other podcasts too. So when we think about the collective kind of history of medicalized birth, it certainly hasn't supported wholeness, certainly hasn't even supported sometimes emotional safety and well-being, but really has sterilized away acknowledging sexuality. And I love to ask this question of providers too. If we acknowledged birth as a continuum of a person's sexual life, how would that be for then providers to enter the space? What would they do different if they acknowledge that this is a sexual act? And I think one of the first things is that they would knock and ask permission and honor if that would be allowed. So really think about all these things. What are your beliefs around birth and your beliefs around sexuality? What do you need to heal? And my next question is, and I mentioned this earlier, how much education have you had about birth and about sex? Have you received good sexual education in your school from your family? And if your answers are no, like many people, 
I think there's so much more good sexual education out there in our orgasmic birth practitioner program. We're doing a lot around understanding the anatomy. And I've been bringing some of our experts here to our podcast. So please listen to the episodes that are really helping you get to know if you are a woman or identify as a woman to learn your anatomy, to create a language of pleasure for your anatomy, to heal what needs to be healed and to enjoy expanded sexuality in pregnancy, the perfect time to really expand that. And for birth, they've done surveys that less than 50% of people today are taking a really good childbirth education class. And what's happening is people feel in watching television or in reading or through the stories they hear or the internet, they're being fully prepared. But when they take you through really knowing your options and understanding all the ways that you can create a safe, satisfying, and pleasurable birth. Most people don't really know, but you don't know what you don't know, both in sexuality and in birth. So if you're listening and you haven't had good education in either or both of these areas, I hope this is making you make that a priority because both sex and birth should be incredible, orgasmic, pleasurable, joyful, loving, ecstatic. So the other thing I want to throw in this about birth and sex that's really similar is think about that when you're making love or masturbating, whatever, it can be solo or together, what's your body like? Do you move your body? Do you make sounds? Are there rhythms that develop? And honestly, if we think about birth, And when we look at people that are giving birth in safe environments and they feel that they have the privacy they need and they feel unobserved, three things that are essential for safe and gentle birth, and I would say they're really important for most people making love as well. People move their bodies, right? They find rhythms here and there. They make sounds, their breath changes. And so when we look people at people in labor, we can see those same things. And many times the sounds that people make in labor are these primal, deep, beautiful sounds. And if you isolate them, and I do this when I teach a lot of my classes, I just play birth sounds and everybody gets a little shy because if you didn't know it was birth, it often sounds like great sex. And again, in hospitals, we've made people get in a bed. They stay still. They're often laying down, not even using gravity or they're leaning back positions that don't facilitate a gentle birth. We need people to lean forward, to move and wiggle and dance their babies into the world, to express sound if that feels safe to them and what their body is calling them to do. So all of these must happen in birth and sex. And I want to say the environment should be the same. If you create the environment, what I call birth ambiance, that would allow you to have great sex from how you like the lights to the sounds to the way you like touch to what you hear, all of that, your all your senses really turned on with pleasure, that's going to help you have 
a gentler birth. So think about, start planning a sexy event in the next, maybe today, maybe in the next day or so, either alone or with a partner and really plan it. How do you want the lights? What would you like to hear? What's your favorite sexy sounds? What smells would you like? And I doubt if it would be hospital aroma. What kind of touch turns you on? Have you really done body mapping and expressed, especially to yourself and to a partner? Where do you like to be touched? Where are the safe places? Where are the turn-on places? And where are those red-hot places that really bring you pleasure and maybe even orgasm? And talk about how can you bring that to birth? And my last tip is really think about your mind. When we're being intimate, when we're hoping to have an orgasm, right? We have to get our mind out of it. We can't think of three things we still have to do today or what I didn't get done or what's gonna happen tomorrow. And imagine if a stranger walked in and asked you a couple questions. Would you keep that intimate moment And when we're giving birth, it's very similar to making love. We have to get out of our mind and fully into our body. And I think today, labors are getting longer and harder than they've been in generations. And I think that's because so many people are overthinking it. You cannot think your way through labor. You'll think your way to more interventions, right? We can't have fears. And so really important. And we did an episode recently, Betty Ann Davis, she talked about fear versus courage. We have to really name that fear is the elephant in the room. If you hold fear, then you're in a stress state and you will not have great sex when you're stressed. And you will not open to birth either if you don't feel safe, if there's stress, if there's fear on the mind. So really important, the similarities of birth and sex, of having to feel safe, to feel private, to feel at a place that we can totally release the other things that are happening around us and fully feel into our body. So I hope today's episode got you thinking a little bit and I hope you'll write down, create a list, write birth. What do you feel you're going to need to have a safe, satisfying and pleasurable birth? And write down sex. What do you need to feel safe and satisfied and have great pleasure in sex in every way from your mind to the ambiance to the touch? Um, What things do you need to clear? The taboos, the shame, maybe healing, what parts of yourself need to heal. Dive deeper in this. It's so important that we start bringing back birth as a part of a woman's sexual life. And partners, if you're listening, this is so important for you to think about, for you to clear whatever taboos and things are there and to talk as partners together, maybe re-listen to this episode and start working through some of your lists. I would also really encourage you to go back and listen to our podcasts on the role of the clitoris in labor because we'll keep going deeper. But as you really clear the space and then you can dive deeper into understanding the anatomy of intimacy and reproduction and how similar they are, then you'll go even further in all the ways that you can bring pleasure to birth and have an orgasmic birth. 
Thank you for joining me on the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. And I hope you'll join me next week. And I always love to hear from you. Please message us, post. We'd love to hear your birth stories. If you can add them and tag us on Orgasmic Birth. If you'd like to be featured with your Orgasmic Birth story, please message us. We always love to share and inspire others with what's possible in birth. And if you're pregnant and you need a childbirth class that will give you good education and take you deeper into the connection between birth and sex and preparing for a pleasurable birth, please see our pleasurable birth essentials and visit us on orgasmicbirth.com. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe. Mm-hmm.